This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 5th, 2010. Built to last, friendships. I'm really grateful that Ted didn't take that camera and just span across the basement <laughs> there because that's not a pretty picture. We're taking a lot of editing. Yeah. Taking a lot of editing, that's right. Well, in 1994, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras, they wrote a book. Some of you might have read it. It's called Built to Last. Built to Last. During six, they did six years of research and they took 18 exceptional and long-lasting, that's the key words, long-lasting companies in direct comparison with their competitors. And they looked at companies like Walmart and 3M and Disney and Boeing and and Sony and Hewlett-Packard, and they consistently asked this question. They asked, what makes the truly exceptional companies different from other companies? What makes the truly exceptional companies different from other companies? In other words, what makes a company built to last? And so today and for the next three weeks, we're going to ask kind of the same question, but instead of companies, uh, we're going to be looking at aspects of our everyday lives. You know, surrounded by a culture where it seems everything more and more is becoming disposable, we're going to look at what makes for friendships that will last a lifetime, finances that endure even through tough economic times, faith that can weather the storms of life, and marriages that go the distance. Our field research isn't going to be out there, but it's going to be a book that we all share in the Holy Bible. We're going to look and see what it has to say, what it tells us, about how to make these things uh, built to last. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for, for nudging us, for speaking to us, for just making it happen that we could show up here this morning. Now we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts, that we might take you in, hear your whisper, feel your nudge, to go a little bit deeper and to explore built-to-last friendships. We pray this in your holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so friendships that go the distance, friendships that are built to last. Notice we're not saying relationships, but friendships. It's an important distinction because um, um, each of us is connected to a lot of people through relationships. Uh, for example, maybe a marriage relationship. We're not going to talk about that today because we're going to talk about it in three weeks. Um, family relationships. We all have family. The challenge there is sometimes we're related, but we might not be in relationship with them. You know, it is possibly a friend with our family, but that's not always the case. And, um, and the other thing is, those family relations are going to last forever. They're built forever, whether we like it or not. So we're not going to be talking about that today either. Likewise, we have relationships in our places where, where we work. And sometimes when it, 
you know, there might be a connection and those relationships turn into friendships. But then other times they are just <laughs> relationships that you have to kind of get through because that's where you work. Mm. So today we're talking about those relationships that we voluntarily enter into, those relationships that are not required, those relationships that either party could bring to an end if they so chose. Uh, the type of relationship, again, that we're talking about today is friendship. We're talking about those friendships that endure, those friendships that go the distance, those friendships that are built to last. Okay, so let's take a look at our first scripture this morning. It's found in Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about friendships. The first is found in chapter 18, and it says there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And so these are kind of friendships that we're talking about, the ones that would be closer than a brother. Karen, I think of friends that we still have in Seaford where we were for 24 years. We were two hours from family, and actually two hours is the perfect distance from Don't family. Don't say that. All of our kids are here, and they might take <laughs> us up. Unless you're my kids. Um, but, uh, you know, because it's close enough to get home and for the things that you need to get home to, and it's, well, we'll just leave it at that. Anyway, but we, uh, what happened was, uh, it wasn't, we didn't li- live there because of that. We lived there because that's where the job was. But anyway, um, we um, found that the friends that we got close to, in effect, became our family at those times when we didn't have family around. And we, we still have those friendships. They built to last because of that. They became, uh, at sometimes even closer than family. I mean, my, my, my buddy Jimbo and I became friends uh, when I was working for Prudential. His his wife was a client of mine. He had another agent. They consolidated when they got married, and they both uh, were my uh, clients. And Jim came to work for the company eventually. And in fact, we both we shared an office. Then we both became sales managers. When I became an agent, he ended up being my boss even. And then when uh, uh, he and Pam had uh, Jamie, I strongly encouraged Jim, who'd Let's just say he'd been away from church for a while. <laughs> I encouraged him to get back to church if for no other reason, for the sake of his son. Well, long story short, short, getting back to church brought Jimbo into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And that was just fantastic. Well, Jim had, had a lo- several sisters and four brothers. And, and so one, one day in the office, though, he says to me, he says, Alan, you're, you're like as close as a brother to me. <laughs> well, golly, day. I mean, because he was really close to these brothers of his. That what he just did, he was basically saying Proverbs 18.24 without even realizing it. You know, what I realized from that is that we had this uh, friendship that was built to last. Yeah. The Bible shows us a really um, incredible relationship between two guys, Jonathan and David. And they had a relationship that really did last for, for years. Check out what the scripture says about these guys. Now, now we meet them here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's right after David's successful battle with Goliath. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner, the commander of the army, brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Yuck. Okay, tell me about... Just picture that for a second. Yeah. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, 
he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Can you go back, Randy, to that other slide? I just noticed something I want to look at again. Okay, so David brought the head he just of the had, he had it to in his Saul, hand and the first thing Saul says is, tell me about your father? That's a little weird, isn't it? Oh, okay, they did there that. must they, be more They did that head-carrying thing all the time in those days. Okay, well, reason. okay, you can go back to that. I just had to confirm what I saw there because <laughs> I've read it a million times and I just noticed that. But the important thing here isn't about a head on a platter. The important thing is... No, it wasn't on a platter. He was holding it. Yeah. <laughs> a platter a would have been weird. Scripture. Anyway, it is the Word of God. So anyway, <laughs> Jonathan and David. You see, Jonathan immediately was attracted to David. They had this friendship, and Jonathan gave him his robe, his tunic, his sword, his belt, his bow. This was big stuff. This was very important. It's like Jonathan adopted David as his brother. And that's the kind of friendship we're talking about today. It said he loved David as, as himself. I mean, it was like they were like one. They were a really close bond of friendship there. So what, what are the factors that make for friendships like this, that make for friendships that are going to go the distance? Well, the one factor that to me is just, or to us seems crucial, is, is that you have to be able to spend time together. If you read in the Scriptures, Jonathan David, and David spent time together and I don't mean phone time, or we don't mean phone time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not the kind of time we're talking about. We don't mean email time, although that's important too. That can be a value too. We're not talking Facebook time, although that can be important. We're talking face-to-face time. Face-to-face time. You know, a lot of important conversations. I've had somewhere I tried to do it with email, and all that did was mess it up. Because the person couldn't uh, read the nuances into what I was saying. They couldn't see the expression on my face and vice versa. And all it did, especially if it was a tough situation, it made it worse because that's not the best way for communicating, especially if there's something kind of challenging going on between. You may have found differently, but that's been my experience. We need to have face-to-face conversations if we're going to go into and have deep friendships that are going to last a lifetime. I've, I never cease to be amazed by how things have gotten in our society where we have the means of communicating instantly with virtually anyone in the world, right? And in fact, it's gotten to the point where when we call, we expect somebody to almost be an instant con. You didn't answer your phone. Well, I had something else. Well, but I called, you know, or I... I emailed, and you didn't respond within 30 seconds. Excuse me. You know, it's kind of crazy what the expectations we have. And yet, with all these incredible electronic means of communication, it seems you read about more and more people feeling more and more alienated from the people around them. We have the means of communication, but that's not necessarily the best means for getting close 
and close friendships with people around us. It may help to maintain them, may help to uh, check up on some things, but it's not how you're going to really go deep in that relationship. You know, it's kind of like a, a virtual face-to-face versus, versus a real face-to-face um, contact with somebody. So time is really important for re- friendships that are built to last. The second thing that's very necessary in friendships that are built to last is loyalty. Loyalty. Friendships that are built on a solid foundation of loyalty. They are ones where that other person really knows you and is for you and is cheering you on and also holds you accountable. That there's this level of support that is different than the relationships that we have. But it's a, it's a friendship. That loyalty that celebrates with you when things are going well and that loyalty that walks with you th- through the times that are quite, that can be quite difficult in our lives. And not just the loyalty of that other person, the loyalty that you're showing to them. Correct. When you're there for them, when you're there in those tough times, when you're able to ask the tough question. Again, we turn to this friendship of Jonathan and, and David. After David, as we said before, killed Goliath, there was dancing in the streets, and there was singing. And, and, well, I won't sing it to you. I'll just share the words with you of the song they were singing. Here's what they said. Saul has killed his thousands, and David, has, and David his ten thousands. Saul has killed his thousands, David's ten thousands. Now, Saul's the king. David's a kid. He's a shepherd boy. But look what they're singing. Saul, the king, has killed this many. David, the shepherd, ten times. You know what, how Saul viewed that? He wasn't celebrating David, was he? What he was doing was feeling very jealous, very short-changed, and jealous to the point where he not only plotted uh, or thought about, but he actually plotted and attempted uh, to kill David on several occasions. And in spite of this, Jonathan, Saul's son, was loyal to David, even when that loyalty was contrary to what his father would have wanted. Check this out. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Now, we're not advocating that, um, you know, you allow your loyalty to your friends to get in the way of your loyalty to your spouse or your children or your family or that kind of thing. Uh, Youth, we're not advocating your loyalty to your friends gets in the way of your loyalty to your parents. That's not what we're saying here this morning. But, But 
if you've had this kind of relationship, you understand, or wouldn't it be cool to have a relationship where you and this other person are able to say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Wouldn't that, isn't that just an awesome um, loyalty of friendship that would help uh, that friendship just last a lifetime? It would make that friendship built to last. Uh, and the truth is, Jonathan and David were the closest of friends throughout their lives, all the way until Jonathan was uh, killed on the battlefield many years later. Well, in addition to time and loyalty, there's another aspect of friendship that is, is really important, and that's the art of listening. The art of listening. There's a book that uh, Focus of, on the Family has put out. Um, it's called The Blessings of Friendship, and there's a quote in that book that we wanted to lift up. Listening to others is, as vi- is a vital part of every relationship, especially friendships. The art of listening, we call it an art because it isn't something that just naturally happens. It takes practice, it takes discipline, it takes attention to detail. You know, often our natural tendency is to speak first and then to listen, but uh, that's exactly contrary to what we're told in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18.13 tells us this, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Say that with me, will you? Spouting, Spouting off before, before listening, listening to the, to the facts, facts is both shameful and, and foolish. There you go. Okay, so that's in Proverbs. <laughs> Let's take a look at um, James chapter 1. This is what James, who's the brother of Jesus, shares with us. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen Say the rest with me, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Mm. You know, this listening thing is a real, like we said, it's a real art. Uh, Years ago, I had a manager who didn't talk a lot in meetings. He listened. I said, what do you do? He says, well, I learn a whole lot more when I listen than when I talk. And plus, he says, I've got two ears and one mouth. Just do the math. Two to one. And, and, and I also learned uh, by, back then at a, at, a, at a seminar once about the three years, how we have to listen with three years. This is especially true with our friends. I think we've shared this before, but it bears repeating, especially if you haven't heard it. With the first year, we listen to what our friend is saying. We really, really closely try to listen to what they're actually telling us. With the second year, we listen really closely for what they're not saying. Did you ever find that in the not saying, we often learn more than we did in what they're actually telling us? The third ear is the one that you really, that's the one that it's important to really know this person, to understand them, to have spent time with them, because with that third ear, you're listening for what they would like to say, but they don't know how. And so, time and loyalty and listening are very, very important in friendships that are built to last. There's something else that is absolutely crucial and actually non-negotiable in these kinds of relationships that are built to last, and that is honesty. You have to be honest with, with your friend. And in that honesty, you know, you're taking off the mask, we take off our masks, and we're also vulnerable because we open ourselves up to accountability and and just um, being very transparent. Transparency is so 
so important in relationships. Here's how Solomon, who wrote um, a lot of the Proverbs, he puts it this way. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Mm. Will you say that with me? As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I'd heard this before, but I hadn't really given a lot of thought to we were putting this message together. I thought, okay, iron sharpens iron. What's, what's that really telling us? Well, you know, the thing about it is, as iron sharpens iron, they're the same substance, right? It's the same kind of an equal size. It's not like uh, using a diamond to cut a piece of glass. You know, a diamond and glass both are kind of clear and hard, but they're very different, aren't they? Try giving, try giving your wife or girlfriend a piece of glass on the ring and see what she says. <laughs> They're very different. The diamond is a whole different. And so a diamond cutting a piece of glass is way different than iron sharpening iron. See, they're same, equal value, not here and here, but same. It's, so in a relationship, it's not like a relationship where you have a mentor, a mentee, a relationship where there's a boss and an employer, or even a relationship where there's a parent and a child. This is friends are on equal footing with each other. Amen? Amen. Short, uh, iron sharpening iron. You and your friend on equal footing. Encouraging each, each other. Not one doing all the encouraging each other, yet not giving, hopefully, false praise because that's not much value. Each of you, not one always doing that, but each of you asking the tough question, yet doing so in love because we certainly want to do all things in love, holding each other accountable, not because you're trying to get the upper hand um, on the other person, not because you enjoy putting that person in kind of a vulnerable position, which would happen when you ask that tough question, not because you want to have power over that person that you call your friend, but holding each other accountable in order to help each other become all that God intends you to be and being willing to ask the tough questions in order to help make that happen. Iron sharpens iron. When we sharpen one another as friends, changes take place. And it's part of, I think, that walking it out with the Lord and that perfecting that goes on. You know, that relationship with God is so important this way, but we really need relationships, friendships, to help us along the way. It's true what Proverbs, what Solomon teaches us in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Okay, so face-to-face relationship, listening, loyalty, and, uh, and iron sharpening iron. Here at Connection, we find that one of the best ways to have all of these things happen is through small groups. In small groups, you're face-to-face, you listen, you share, and you hopefully sharpen one another in the process. If you're in a small group, we sure hope that that's what's going on. If it's not, you need to let us know because that should be happening. If you're not in a small group, we would like you to be because we would like these things to be happening in your life because we know it's going to be of value to you. And so we are going to encourage you once again this morning to participate in the group link experience coming up Saturday night, 7 to 9, two hours of your life. Spend more than that watching a ball game. I know. I do it. Um, um, a lot. Yeah. So, so this would just only take you to like the sixth, the seven-inning stretch, okay, in the ball game. So 
Two hours is all we're asking. If you haven't been to a group link, come to the group link for no other reason to know what your church is doing. Come to the group link this uh, Saturday 7 to 9. The whole purpose is to help connect you up with some people that you can do life with, some people that are going to uh, talk to you, listen to you, that are going to hold you accountable and look to you to hold them accountable. People are going to help you help you and who you're going to help explore their relationship with God, their relationship with each other, and their relationship with themselves. Well, church might be new for some of you, and we're glad you're here. And even Jesus, you're still trying to figure out if Jesus is relevant to your life. And so there's a, a ministry that we call Alpha. And it's, it asks the questions like, who is Jesus and why did he die? And how and why do I pray? And how do I read the Bible? And how does God guide us? And who is the Holy Spirit? And all of those kinds of talks where people, a lot of you out there, have given those talks and you share your personal testimony in those. So we invite those of you who might fall in that category to come to Alpha. It's like a Christianity 101, but let me tell you something about that. I have been doing this for a long time, and every talk in Alpha, God shows me something and teaches me something, and I hear about God in a new way. So we hope that you'll consider participating in Alpha. In fact, it starts September 15th. It's at 6.15, and we will feed you dinner and even take care of your kids. So come to Alpha. And that Alpha gives you a great kind of a, a taste of what small group is all about. That's the other cool thing about it. It gives you just an idea of what small group, uh, what that can do for you and your spiritual journey. At the other end of the spectrum, we have Disciple One. Now, if you've ever thought, boy, I'd really kind of like to read a lot of the Bible, but I'm not sure I have the discipline. This will help you with the discipline because it's like daily Bible reading. Over the course of nine months, you're going to read about 70% of the Scriptures. On a weekly basis, you're going to get together and talk about it. Disciple 1 also starts, I think, uh, this uh, September the 15th as well. Um, it's an opportunity to read Scripture, to go deep in your faith, to activate your spiritual leadership, and also what <laughs> real, real, real often happens God ends up transforming your life through this time together. You'll find Alpha and Disciple at GroupLink as well as people who are, uh, would love to, to meet you, and um, you can interview them and decide which group might fit in your life. You're thinking, boy, they're really hitting this pretty hard. This is quite a commercial. You're exactly right, because we think that small group life is crucial and core to our Christian journey. Worship, small group life, community life, and outreach, that's where we hang our hats. And so we hope that you will consider coming to GroupLink because we believe that um, God, we know that God has designed us to be in relationship with one another and we pray that you will find those relationships that become friendships that are built to last. Mm. Mm. Friendships that are built to last, the result of small group activity. You know, it's really interesting when you think about it. Jesus himself was a part of a small group, wasn't he? And I'm thinking about that, does, did he really need that? Well, you know, we say Christ is 100% God, 
100% human. I know in, we, that's 200%. I know that doesn't work for our math, but God's math, it works. And so he was fully human. If he's fully human, he, in fact, did have a need for some close personal relationships. In fact, even within that group of disciples, there were some that he was really close to, like three or four that were like his inner circle. You know how big his small group was? Isn't that interesting? You know what kind of size we try to get our small groups here? Very good. (laughs) It's not... Gosh, it didn't just happen, did it? And and, in Disciple 1, when we had training for that... I bet you can't guess the size of the group they suggested for a Disciple One class. Wow. It just all works together, doesn't it? It's like, it's, like, it's like God had it planned or something. Anyway, small group, that's the size of it. That's the important thing. And Christ was a part of a small group, just like we're encouraging you to be part of. You know, he did life with those guys for three years the challenges of life, the joys of life. He was, he was developing them. He was helping them to go deeper in their faith. He was helping them to overcome obstacles. He was helping them to, to be the people who were going to carry on the ministry after he was gone. When he was close to time for him to leave the earth, when, when he was preparing to go to the cross, He had a final meal with his small group. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.